Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. It is a Monday on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. It's a uh, good, bad, and ugly Monday, as usual, recapping the weekend as we do each week. What was good, what was bad, and what was ugly. A lot of all three, as usual. Plenty of good in the Longhorn game, then there was bad, and then there was ugly. Including the uh, quarterback of the Texas Longhorns trying to take on a linebacker. And uh, now you're going to have to go to your bullpen. Uh, Also, bad defense for a long stretch. Such how the game played out, Rod, where the Longhorns dominated for the first 20 minutes of the game. Then they pretty much got their ass kicked for the next 20 minutes of the game, of a 60-minute game, and then they won the final 20 minutes. Um, you I know, like that, yeah. I'm with you on that. I agree. Uh, and he said responded. That third part is an, improve, an improvement from last year and the year before under Steve Sarkeesian, that they were able to regroup after delivering some punches early and dominating Houston and then getting punched back. They delivered the final blows. And, uh, look, I do agree with those down in the greater Houston area who believe that Texas was the beneficiary of some bad officiating there late. I thought that was a terrible spot. That was a terrible on spot. On the f- third and one call. Yes, I think Dana Holgerson thought it was a terrible spot. I look, We've I mean, all seen it now. How can you not be a football fan and think that's a terrible spot? You can be a Longhorn fan and still acknowledge, hey, I'm happy about the win, but that's a terrible well, spot. Well, of course, as usual, Rod, I was hosting the uh, On Texas Football in, Inside Texas Watch along oh, where we watch the game and, and talk about it as it happens on YouTube. And it's a heck of a lot of fun, but I, I call you know, I don't call play by play, but we kind of talk about the plays that happens. I was like, well, that's a first down. Now it's going to be first and goal Houston and the Longhorns trying to hold on here. And then you look up and he's, you know, what in the heck? He didn't get the first down. Well, this, then you, then they're going to replay they it. They review it. Like, okay, like, they're going to give them the They're definitely going to give it to you. <laughs> okay, they'll give it to them now. Well, and I think that was Dana Holgerson's response. And then all of a sudden they, they ruled it inconclusive and then stuck with the original call and then he was like what and then he's got to come up with a play and donovan smith throws a ball behind his receiver uh jade baron came up and made a big play right there to, to you know it's a play that nobody's talking about enough from that series is the terrence brooks tackle he makes a tackle on the tight end to force a third that third down because that could have easily it could have easily been a first down. Go back and watch that second down catch from the from the high red zone. Yes, it could have okay. easily been a first down. But Terrence Brooks does. He makes a sound tackle, wraps up, and then key, and really tries to keep the guy from getting any additional yardage. That play right there actually sets up the third down. Um, and that third down, it looks like oh man, they're gonna get it because it's third like third and two or third and three, something like that. I'm not sure what it was. I gotta go back and check it out. Um, and then it sets up. The short yardage there, so you know the de- You're right. The defense they made plays and they got a little help from the officials, but they did make plays there down the stretch. And Jade Barron, a guy who had to come off off the bench <laughs> because he was injured and they didn't expect him to play, but they needed him. They needed him desperately, and he ended up making the game winning play essentially because he made that window to throw that football really tight. It had to be a perfect throw, it and did. it was not a perfect throw. And, you know, Houston, give them credit for fighting back in that game. And, you know, they're not a great team. But at the same time, that was True. their Super Bowl. I mean, Dana Holgerson said it all week long. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, Dana Holgerson's on the hot seat. They had 10 days after the West Virginia win to, to prepare for it. And as Dana Holgerson said, they did completely change up their defense from what they had been running uh, coming out of the – because when West Virginia torched them for 400 yards through the air, uh, Dana Holgerson's quote 
was, look, if, if we had tried to play that same def- off defense against Texas, they'd have scored 80 points. Yeah. Uh, so we had to change it. Then Sark said, yes, they ran a defense that we hadn't seen on film this year. And, you know, so, you but know. But not from the start, though. Not from the start. Not from the start, because the start, Texas was rolling. Yeah, rolling. They, they knew what they were seeing. They, that's exactly what they and expected And then Holger said, oh, wait a second. We worked on this new defense. Let's go to it. Yeah. And they just started bracketing the, the receivers. And I, I, I do think. Bracketing from that three I, high. Yeah. I do think credit to Sark that they started to, uh, you know, that Quinn was willing to take the dump downs, take what was there, take the underneath throws. That's and they maturity. Were, uh, but the game all changed on the fake field goal because, and, and as you said, Sark confirmed or admitted it was a bad idea. Bad idea. Bad call. Uh, Texas was up 21-7 to at the time. They are about two and a half minutes to go in the half. Take your points. Take the points. Take the points. Go up 24-7. Keep the crowd out of it. Instead, they went for it. The crowd got into it because they got a big stop. The UUB sidelines went crazy. And, of course, against the Texas – some will call it the prevent defense. <laughs> Two-minute defense they play. It's, it's not very good. It's not very good. It's been bad all year long. Before I get to the other headlines, Rod, why um, a lot of people have asked, and it's a fair question, and I was thinking the same thing watching the game. We saw it against Oklahoma, too, and you had two weeks to, to work on it. Why in that two-minute drill, and so often do you see the cushion, the cushion from the yeah. corners? I mean, they're, they're eight, nine yards off the ball, and it just allows for these free releases. Yeah. Uh, they get right into the safeties, and all of a sudden people are wide open. That's troubling when you have a one-dimensional Houston team that couldn't run the ball at all. They ended up with 40 yards rushing, yet they're able to shred you for long stretches of that game with that one dimension. Yeah, and they even during the game, I thought they played with a lot of cushion. And I don't know if the players are being told. When I was playing on the 40 acres and we'd play a coverage, we were pretty much given the freedom to play the technique we wanted unless we were expressly told this technique aligns with this coverage. You play this technique with this coverage all the time. So if we were playing, man, you know, I, I could play off or I could play bump and run. I could bail if I wanted to. Uh, I could, you know, I could play, you know, I could play the a, 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 a kind of an inching technique. I could throw out different techniques I wanted. I'm not sure if that's the case with them. So I, I bet they're being told exactly what type of cover, like what type of technique they want them to play with every coverage. And it looks like they're being they're being told to play off. And the weird thing is they're giving up leverage, though. Like they don't play with leverage. They don't play with inside leverage. Sometimes they just give up the inside yeah. leverage. And they all they are some, even with the bail technique, they'll just bail as if they have an inside. If they're expecting inside help. Usually, when you bail, you're expecting inside help because I'm giving up the inside leverage. And so maybe it's on the linebackers who aren't providing the inside help for those young guys. I'm not sure. I got to do some research on the coverage, but yeah, there's no doubt they're 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 being told to give cushion, and they and I say they were scared of the the t- U of H wide receivers, but they respected them, just like they respected the Oklahoma wide receivers. They did well, and it was a little too much. And again, this is all gas, no excuses. But I'm, the the reality was they started the game with three starters out of that secondary. Yep. Uh, with with Ryan Watts again not going, J- Jalen Catalan didn't play. And then Jade Barron didn't start the game. They had him in a boot. They were trying to get through this game and let him have another, you know, week to get healthier. We didn't even know Jade Barron was one of the injured. And then he ends up, you know, they, they break glass in case of emergency. And all of a sudden, Jade Barron takes the boot off, and he's on the field playing. And they needed him. He ended up having to slide out to corner because of all the injuries. It got pretty mm-hmm. ugly on the injury front for Texas. We saw Ethan Burke limp off. Jet Bush limped off the field for Texas. We saw, uh, you know, Gavin Holmes and Terrence Brooks at points of that game limp off the field. And, you know, yep. it, it, I think it's just a fact, Rod, when, when Michael Taff and Keaton Crawford are your safeties, 
they, they just miss a lot of assignments. And, and Michael Taffa feels like he's trying to direct traffic. It just That's a bad combination of safeties. And Jaron Thompson has had his struggles as your veteran in the back end. He's assignment sound. He just gets beat. Yeah. yeah he, <laughs> he knows he where he's supposed to be. Sometimes he, <laughs> he just doesn't have the foot speed to get there. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the challenge. And, and so you're trying to fast track guys like Derek Williams and – uh, get Jalen Cottle on healthy, who could be a difference maker at that spot. Look, we've been saying since the Alabama game that, that, that getting these safeties mocked up in coverage with receivers is a winnable strategy for your opponent, a winning strategy. And week after week, we keep saying it. Hey, Wyoming was doing it. Yeah, we Wyoming keep saying it. was doing it too. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that's something you're going to see going forward. I wonder when Jade Barron gets healthy, um, he's a guy you may be able to move, at safe, may move to safety situationally because I think he has that – diverse of a skill set you're hoping ryan watts can get healthy that'll solidify one corner and then terrence brooks another guy he's playing really well I mean, that play i just talked about man that was a second and eight e uh, that was a second and eight on uh deep into in the red zone and they got a seven yard gain by the tight end for u of h and terrence brooks makes a tackle thought it was going to be an easy first down and it's not he stuffed him and, st- and forced a third and one and that's when Texas makes their stand and gets a little bit of help. So that was a big play by him. Uh, but Terrence Brooks is a guy you may be able to move inside. And if you or you trust Jalen Gilbo to play the star position, the nickel position, uh, if you don't want to move Terrence Brooks inside because you've got Malik Muhammad, you can play at corner two. Uh, you can move Jade Barron back at corner if you really like what Gilbo's doing at nickel. Uh, you can move him back to safety at times. So I think that's one of your, I don't know, one of the things you could do to try to infuse some coverage ability at safety. But right now you're pretty stuck you can't you, you can't overhaul things too much now you're past the halfway point you can tweak it but you can't overhaul it hey let's get to the other top headlines as we're talking texas football at six and one and number seven in the country now they actually moved up a spot in the ap top 25 with penn state's loss so they're at number seven right behind Oklahoma. well let's get to the other news in the morning though Top stories presented by Top Gun Lawn Equipment Rentals. Uh, we will get you the latest on Quinn Yours, as we mentioned, the injury to the right shoulder. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian will have a game week news conference at 11 o'clock today. We'll certainly uh, pass along the latest as we learn it. Longhorns did win that game 31-24 on Saturday. Great game last night. How about the Astros-Rangers? First ever All-Texas American League Championship Series is going to a decisive Game 7. Of course it is. What else would we expect? Rangers pound their way to a 9-2 win in Game 6 last night at Minute Maid Park. They're 3-0 in Minute Maid Park uh, this series. Of course, both teams have won all the, home, all, the, all the games so far on the road. Nathan Evaldi remained perfect this postseason. The, the ace for the, for the Rangers. Mitch Garver and Jonah Heim put the Rangers up early with a couple of home runs. Opposite field shots off of Framber Valdez. They were up 3-1. Uh, built it to 5-2 in the ninth inning was the lead. And uh, the man that was in the middle of the controversy and the fireworks in Game 5 on Friday put an exclamation point on this Ranger win. One gone in the ninth. Stanek's one At that Game 7 and sight set will be tonight. All eyes on Houston. Game 7 tonight just after 7 o'clock. It's Christian Javier versus Max Scherzer. 4 o'clock this afternoon, the Phillies and the Diamondbacks will play Game uh, 6 of that series in the National League Championship Series. Uh, Philly was one win away from the World Series again. Uh, also, uh, yesterday, NFL Week 6. 
Um, Cowboys and Texans both enjoying their bye week. Couple of several marquee matchups to highlight. How about in Baltimore? Lamar Jackson and the Ravens blast Detroit, uh, 38-6. Lamar Jackson, 357 yards, three touchdowns through the air, one on the ground. Chiefs roll past the Chargers, 31-17. Patrick Mahomes, 424 yards and four touchdowns. And last night, Sunday Night Football, heck of a game. Eagles roll past the Miami Dolphins, 31-17. Game was a seven-point game, 24-17, with Miami driving to a tongue of Iloa through a big interception in the fourth quarter. Eagles went back and scored uh, 14-point swing, and that was the margin of victory there. Uh, Also, another incredible weekend out at Circuit of the Americas, Max Verstappen. And Team Red Bull win again, had to come from the sixth spot. When he started the race, Max Verstappen, though, wins the U.S. Grand Prix for the third straight year. He's won 50 races in his career. Great weekend out of Coda. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. Nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month. Top Gun. Gun Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. All right, Longhorns uh, find a way to win a tough game in Houston. And I, I, after I rewatched the game, I came away with a different appreciation for uh, the way the Longhorns fought. And, and, and you can even see Pete Kudkowski, who gave – listen, he allowed, I think, uh, U of H, Donovan Smith. Shout out to my man C.J. Vogel of Football Bro. He threw this out there. Donovan Smith, 378-yard passing performance, was the second most passing yards allowed under PK during his time at Texas. The 2022 uh, Spencer Sanders performance for Oklahoma State, where he had 391 passing yards, uh, was the only one that uh, eclipsed that mark by Donovan Smith. So if you were thinking, man, it seems like they got a lot of yards, they did. There was a lot of yards. And PK, he he threw a lot of different things uh, at Donovan Smith to try to get pressure on him. He blitzed a lot. Some people didn't like the fact that he blitzed so much because they gave up some big plays when they were blitzing. Guys, they gave up big plays when they weren't blitzing. Yeah, that was the other part. They gave a big. He was giving up big plays with three man rush. Yes, exactly. Three man rush, four man rush, blitzing. And this is why I I I would I will back up and I will uh, back PK and support him on the blitzing thing. The two turnovers they forced, they came on blitzes. Mm -hmm. It came the the interception to Taft because Donovan Smith corner blitz. Yeah, and his mental process sped up. He didn't really know he was looking at it. He just kind of threw it out there and made a bad decision. And then the blitz by Jalen Ford, he comes up and knocks the ball loose, charged the ball loose on well, that blitz, and then they forced the fumble. And, and I would say it. on the uh, the third Donovan Smith touchdown, they brought the blitz again. Uh, Jalen Gilbo. Should have worked. Number three came off the edge, and he had mm-hmm. him dead to rights, and he missed the tackle and didn't contain it. And Smith was able to roll out to his right and uh, buy extra time and throw the touchdown pass uh, to an open receiver. So uh, I agree with you. I was calling for him to be more aggressive. I mean, you just can't. This team has issues. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming even coming off the bye week into this week, there's going to be hard conversations in that defensive backs room yep. with Terry Joseph and Blake Gideon and PK. they got to get this sorted out. I mean, they, it's, it's going to get them beat at some point. You just can't be that bad in the back end. Again, a, a one-dimensional offense can't, shouldn't be able to shred a talented team with one dimension. It just you, you shouldn't it shouldn't be that easy against that, that one that dimension. Easy. Yep, and it was, and that's uh, uh, there's got to be some, some work done on that with BYU coming in. BYU uh, they can't throw, but they they, they did beat Texas Tech this past weekend in Provo because of turnovers. Turnovers, mostly. yeah, yeah, by Texas Tech. Keaton Slovis was 127 yards total through the air. Exactly, <laughs> they for BYU. But, and they don't. One of the things Texas was concerned about, and I was too, and essentially they were defending ghosts was the run game, the quarterback run game. And we all thought after watching Dylan Gabriel light Texas up with the quarterback draw and the scrambles, 
Oh, Donovan Smith, he's definitely going to be weaponized the quarterback run game. They're going to deploy him and with some draw and maybe with some some option game. No, they really didn't. I think they, I think he ran like twice in terms of design runs. That was about it. They ran one quarterback draw that I can remember, but he was not really weaponized in the run game at all. And I think the Texas linebackers were preoccupied with the thought of it because um, you can tell at times they're they're. They're not even dropping back in coverage. They're just kind of staring at Donovan Smith and him and Anthony Hill, Jalen Ford and Anthony Hill, both preoccupied and in conflict with a quarterback run game that really wasn't being utilized at the time. Yeah, and I would say, look, I mean, this is this is the time of year. You're almost into November now, late October, October 23rd. Survive in advance. Survive in advance. And I know the, 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 long, the, the team didn't play up to the expectation of fans and, and even Vegas, right, the 23-point line. There were a stretch. The first 20 minutes was all Texas. But the fact that they, they won the final 20. Look, Oklahoma's not going to apologize for a 31-29 win over Central Florida, a game in which they trailed in the fourth quarter and had to fight their way back with 14 points in the fourth to win the game yeah. and then hold on with a two-point conversion. You don't apologize for that because there are teams around the country that are not surviving and advancing, USC being one of them. And so now, and Penn State losing to Ohio State, you know, you're still moving up, even though it wasn't aesthetically as pretty as you would want it, and it was white and more white knuckle than you would. You are moving up, even, and as long as you win, you you'll win, keep baby. moving up, Rod. Just keep winning. Because this weekend you have Oregon playing Utah, yeah. and you got another round of good matchups in college football. So, and look at the, you know you you control this thing, but you got to get that 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 coverage issue fixed. And I know it, it sounds silly to say, but it's been a month and a half now that you've been trying to fix these coverage issues. Maybe you just don't have the coaches or the personnel to do it. That's it, the concerning it, part. This is the thing too that I'm concerned about as well. Because like I said, I, I I love the fact that they just find a way to win. This this team has good football character. They do. They 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 got. They, I love the football DNA. But they got great football character. They have leadership. They respond well to adversity. We see the way they close games, um, and they fight like hell. So I, I really like a lot about this team. Um, but they're about to see more and more adversity because I don't know if they fix the secondary issues and the coverage issues so much as they were finally exposed when Texas played pass-first offenses with quarterbacks who could perform at a really high level who were who are, who are really comfortable in those offenses. Think about Dylan Gabriel. You know, he's played in the veer and shoot longer than any quarterback's played in any system in the country. Uh, Dunnett Smith has been in the air raid, even at Tech, and now uh, at U of H. He's been in the air raid a really long time. Both of those schools and programs had really good complement of wide receivers and weaponry around those quarterbacks. I don't know if Texas is going to face anything that's going to be able to present them with that type of challenge, um, but it's clear that when they faced those three backup quarterbacks during the season, remember I told you I took that out of my sample size? I stopped watching them because yep. that was distorting my research. And when you go back and just look at Texas playing starting quarterbacks, um, was it T, uh, JT Daniels and Jalen Milrow and uh, Dylan Gabriel and not Dylan Smith, just watch those games. And when you do, you, you see a different defense and you think to yourself, oh, they're good, but they're not great. No, they're they're, they're a good they're defense. Still flawed in the back they're, end. They're, exactly, they got a lot of flaws, and then you see it. But if you if you watch those, if you watch that, actually Baylor, the backup quarterback, kind of lit him up a couple of times too. But if you watch Baylor, and then you watch Jay, you know, uh, with the Kansas game with Jason Bean, and you watch that game, and what was the other backup? Wyoming's backup, I forget his name. You watch those games, and and then your your trust me, your view of the defense, uh, your perception of them changes drastically. Just watch them versus starting quarterbacks. And then you'll see, oh, they can be exposed. 
and you'll see how. Coming up, we'll uh, take you behind the scenes, uh, behind the burnt orange curtain, more on Texas. Also, uh, the officials had a rough weekend in a lot of spots around the country. We'll we'll get you some audio on that. Controversy uh, in the Big Ten, controversy in the SEC, and certainly here in the Big 12 with the spot, uh, Houston against Texas. Uh, The Longhorns aren't going to apologize for it. They're going to take that victory. I'd say this to your point right there, Rod. If you're Sark, you've got to go into these defensive meetings and say, guys, okay, as you just pointed out, we have an issue. We've got to coach around it. We've got to solve this problem. Uh, if we do, we're going to be okay. Even with a backup quarterback for a little while, we'll, we'll score enough points against BYU. K-State becomes a huge challenge the yep. week following. they got to get that thing solved. Uh, before we do, talk about officiating and the big issues out of college football this weekend, Rod. Uh, tell me about our friends at Window Nation, my friend. Window uh, Nation bringing it to you. Uh, no doubt about our friends at Window Nation. Uh, they do a great job. First of all, they can inform you how windows can change your life. And we already know that in many ways, windows affect the quality of our life. They bring uh, the light into our our house. You always uh, love those beautiful days. Uh, that can affect the quality of your life, but also safety. Um, something we don't talk enough about. Older windows, they also don't have the latest advancements in safety, and you want the people in your house, your loved ones, to be safe. You also uh, want them to be safe when it comes to uh, the, the different toxins and different allergens that are outside uh, that you have your windows protect you from, right? That insulate your home. That's also something uh, that Window Nation can help you with. You know, the, you start seeing the, the little dots around. You seeing the discoloration around your window panels but what you may not know is that represents mold all right a lot of times that's mold that's stuff that you're breathing in toxins your family's breathing in you don't want that all right that's bad for you that's bad for your family and also older windows man they literally you can have money going right out the window because they're not insulated enough uh to keep your uh your home and all of your uh your heat and your your ace to keep that insulated uh that costs you money uh, about 30 percent actually so you can save about 30 percent uh on your energy bills annually just by getting brand new windows these are all things you learn from my friends at Window Nation. I'll admit, I was a little bit ignorant uh, to how important windows are to home. Also, they add value to your home. You're talking about adding uh, that aesthetic appeal to your home. That is also something Window Nation can help you with. The professionals over at Window Nation can help you with uh, all of that information. Uh, They're third-generation window replacement experts who have been proudly providing homeowners with replacement windows, siding, and doors for more than 15 years. Window Nation offers a variety of styles, custom-made to help you find the perfect look for your home and for your budget. Window Nation products. Uh, trust me, folks, they'll save you money on your energy bills no matter the season. With Window Nation, you'll get a free consultation from their exterior design consult- consultants, and also once your new windows are installed, you'll have access to Window Nation's customer care center to address any questions and all concerns about their products and services, and they have the best warranty. We're talking about a lifetime warranty on all their products and services, folks, so trust me, when you invest in Window Nation, they want you to make sure that you have customer satisfaction that's their top priority. And right now they're offering a buy two, get two windows free special. You cannot beat that, all right? That's the best deal on the market. So give them a call. We're talking about 866-90-NATION. Go to 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. That's windownation.com. All right, coming back, we'll hit the uh, Behind the Burn Orange Curtain and more on the Good, Bad, and Ugly weekend around pro football, college football, the baseball with the Astros and Rangers tonight, Game 7. Uh, for a trip to the World Series. What more could we ask for as far as drama and a compelling, compelling series, to say the least? We'll come back with all that. Coming back, hook them up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Austin, Texas Sports, The Horn. Halfway point of our five-hour conversation this morning. Halfway is uh, two and a half hours into our five hours. Five days a week, Austin's only 
morning sports conversation. Houston Astros on the ugly side of a good, bad, and ugly Monday. Seven and 21 in their last 28 home games. Seven and 21. As we've told you, midway through August, this was a pretty decent road home team. They were seven or eight games over 500. They have collapsed at home uh, in the last month and a half, in two months now. And uh, Rangers, we said when the series began, Rod, if they if the Houston can't win a home game, they're not going to go to the World Series. And so far, they've been unable to. The Rangers haven't either because the Astros are good on the road. But uh, Rangers, you would argue, have the Astros right where they want them. Game seven at Minute Maid Park where they can't seem to win and come up with big clutch hits. And uh, they just don't play like the same team. Yeah, uh, we were joking before uh, last, uh, last show, uh, before the weekend, that Dusty Baker should change something, do something. Like hotel, yeah. stay in a hotel. Don't yeah. go home today. I mean, I know they're superstitious, but yeah, do something, man. I, I, at this point, I don't know if you can. It's game seven. You don't want to take a chance, but I think he probably should have tried to change it up before game well, this six. This isn't a small sample size now. This is two months of baseball. Oh, yeah. This is who they are. Yeah, you have become a bad home team, and you've yeah. got to figure out why. Or, you know, the Rangers go to the World Series and give the Rangers a ton of credit for getting up off the mat after that Jose Altuve home run in the, in the ninth inning on, on Friday, that complete gut punch to, re, to respond to that and come back and, and win that game like they did last night. Very impressive for the Rangers. I, I had never doubted the Rangers uh, fighting this series and their talent. No, you said it was an even series. Dead even. You said, Dead it, was even. Even, you said it would go down to the wire, too, and I think this is as go, to the wire as you can get. Yeah, <laughs> and I do think uh, I said I thought the Astros had a big, big advantage in the bullpen, but that certainly was the case in Game 5. Uh, last night it was not the case because the Astros' bullpen kind of fell apart in a close game, tough and tight, and Rafael Montero and Ryan Stanek gave up some, some big numbers. So, uh, look, this is all you could ask for as a fan is to get this kind of series. By the way, another thing all you can ask for before we go behind the burn orange curtain as a fan is good officiating. Mm. Continues to be terrible umpiring in these games, by the way. Uh, you know my rant of last week, Rod, about you know the balls and strikes and we need to go to a, an automated strike It was a great strike. rant. It was a, it was a quality rant there. Well, look, I mean, can I give you the stats to back up a quality rant? And thank you for saying so. Yeah. But it's it's been an ongoing rant for me. It's been something I've been passionate about for a long time. Just getting calls right. If you just want to use it in the postseason, okay, these are the most important games. But according to a Twitter or to a website called Umpire Auditor, okay, um, in the in the game five, which led to all the dust ups and the Jose Altuve home run, the umpire Marvin Hudson Hudson, who was just an S show in that entire game, uh, he called the second worst game of the playoffs. Wow. Second worst. And that came just a, two, a day after Doug Eddings, his crewmate, called this the second worst game of the playoffs. Uh, this guy, Marvin Hudson, missed 16 calls in game five. 16, 16 calls? Yes. Uh, do they say for what team? 11 they... went against the Astros, five went against the Rangers. Okay. He also wow. incorrectly called two strikeouts and three walks in the game, according to umpire auditor. And that's not me complaining as an Astros fan. That's me just complaining as a baseball fan because it's bad for the game. That is bad for the game. When, when important calls, important counts get screwed up by bad calls. And it's too easy to get them right. It's not like you, you can't say, well, what, what's your answer, E? Well, get them right. Use the technology you have to get the calls right and yeah. take it out of that's the human, zone. human that, element. That's a strike zone there. And now the same could be said, Rod, for officiating at the college and pro football level in the NFL. How about, uh, you know, they, they reviewed that spot in the Texas yeah, game, and they know. still seemingly got it wrong. I don't know how they got that wrong. I really – I would love to – that's why – didn't, like, the XFL allow you to get into the conversation of the, the referees when they, yes. would, they would huddle up and they Behind would discuss the it? I would love to hear the audio of the conversation between those officials. Did they all agree with that? That would be one official go, guys, get, yes, get, that is, is, I think he got it. 
Like, did anybody disagree with that? That was great. Listen, I'm happy that they screwed it up. Trust me, as a Longhorn fan, I could not be more as, as we went know, into the season thing joyful. The Longhorns wouldn't catch any breaks. I'm joyful for it, but as a football fan, that's that's a travesty. That's horrible. That because he got it by like a half a yard. Yeah, it was easy. It was easy. It wasn't even a tough call. Yeah. Uh, can I play some audio because uh, Josh Heupel's head coach at Tennessee. He, uh, they, they had a 13-point lead on Alabama at halftime, ended up losing that. the game. Listen to Josh Heupel after the game when asked, I think you can hear the question, do you think the officiating was one-sided maybe? Because they were in Tuscaloosa. Uh, that game was not in Knoxville. They were in Tuscaloosa. They beat them in Knoxville a year ago. They had them on the ropes, though, and Alabama does what they do. They made adjustments and out, outplayed them. But uh, here's Josh Heupel. He thinks he, they may have had some assistance in that. Here is uh, some audio that I think is pretty funny. Did you feel like that it was a bit one-sided? He doesn't want to talk. Next question, yeah. Was that long enough silence? <laughs> Was he patting on the table? Yeah, he, 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 you could see it on his face. He just he wanted to like lay into He wanted to go into a Rod rant or an E rant. That's good. And he just, he was just tapping hey. on the desk. Yeah, hey, I feel mm-hmm. him. He, he, he probably wanted to punch through it. Uh, but then the, big, the biggest, most controversial call of the weekend came in the Iowa-Minnesota game, which was hard, hard to watch. Offense was hard in the Big Ten. Big Ten. Week. I would say the Big Ten's football is hard to watch sometimes. Well, there was a play. There was a pivotal play. Iowa returned a punt for a touchdown. But it was taken off the board because they ruled that the young guy who, who caught – you know, he picked it up on a bounce and took it to the house. But they ruled that he had called a fair catch. But he clearly was just directioning his teammates yeah, to get away from the ball. Yeah, I'm going to have to yeah, get away. Get away from the ball. Yeah. And they called it a, 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 a fake fair catch call, which never happened. They even reviewed it and still called it's, it a fake fair catch call when it's clear his hand never goes his, above his shoulder. shoulder. That's the key. Yeah. And, and he's just waving his team off. Okay, ball's on the ground, guys. Don't touch wow. it, don't touch it, don't touch it. Um, you know, and, and here's, uh, here's Kirk Ferentz. He's the head coach of the, uh, wow. the Iowa Hawkeyes. In a game where scoring was hard to come by, a, a kick return for touchdown would have given Iowa the win, Iowa the win most likely. Instead, Minnesota won the game. So I'll start off by saying whatever I do say, hopefully if the Big Ten deems it necessary to find me, hopefully they'll uh, maybe find in their hearts to send it to a good cause, like the Children's Hospital would be a good place to start. Because I understand <laughs> at least the initial replay was to find out if he was in or out of bounds, if Cooper stepped out of bounds, which clearly he didn't. And I, I appreciate the replay on that. That's fine. Do their homework. You know, make sure they're correct on that. But then somehow we went from there to a whole different series of topics, and that's – it's really hard to accept the explanation that we got. I thought it started was the inbounds, out of bounds, and we went from there to uh, pointing, which is legal because you know parent punt. And then I was told that he was waving, and what they tell us in pregame is a wave is up here above the head. And most people when they run their arms do wave. So if you looked at the video, it looked like he was naturally running to the football, and then just made a great play, one of the best ones I've ever seen. All right, so there's wow. Kirk Ferentz. Is it fair to say officiating is bad in almost in every sport? It's been bad. I mean, yeah. people can, NBA season is, is about to start up. NBA fans complain about officiating probably more than any other sport yeah. of any fandom I know. I know NFL fans complain about it a lot. College football, trust me, we've been there. We've been on this show talking about Big 12 officials for years. And then your rant about baseball, very eloquent and articulate, I think does sum up their antiquated notions about officiating it just seems like maybe it's just bad in every sport. Well, I mean, for Kirk Ferentz, you can understand the frustration. You went to look at one thing, 
That's the replay was designed to get that right. Let's make sure he didn't step out of bounds. Okay, he didn't. Well, then you start looking for needles in haystacks and find other things that may have gone wrong on the play. It's like, come on, y'all. Yeah. I mean, this is where someone like myself, who's for using the technology to get calls right, well, now you're getting ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where people bring in the allegation of you know, gambling yeah. and all these things, yeah. right? That's why that gives that open – that gives that the, 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 the oxygen it needs to be a conversation when you see calls that are that – Egregious. Egregious uh, across the sports, by the way. Hey, can we get behind the burnt orange curtain, though? The Longhorns uh, survived in advance, but they've got injury issues and they've got coverage issues. Uh, Rod's got some good stuff behind the BOC. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's, uh, let's talk about the Texas defense. Uh, and talk about the secondary a little bit and what they're struggling with. Uh, the biggest issue they're struggling with is probably communication. I've been talking a while for a while about two-minute defense with Texas and how bad they are in two-minute defense, especially when they have to be going up against a starting quarterback. Like I said, throw out the backup quarterbacks in your sample size. People don't even watch those. We just talked about Texas versus starting quarterbacks in the four games they played this season. Dylan Gabriel, Donovan Smith. Um, yeah, JT Daniels and Jalen Monroe, uh, Jalen Milrow, excuse me. Um, in in those games against those starting quarterbacks, they faced four drives of a two minute drill. Now it can be anywhere from two to three minutes. All right, you can't call a five minute uh, drive the two minute drill. Yeah, so usually a two minute drill is anywhere from two to three minutes. Um, anywhere from there, uh, three minutes or, or less, you can call it a two minute drill at the end of a half, right? End of the first half, end of the second half. And you're in crisis mode here, right? Not a lot of time uh, to communicate or um, not a lot of time to make adjustments. You got to do a lot of that stuff on the fly. It really does test your ability as a defense to operate in crisis mode. And that's all it is, crisis mode, defending an offense in the two-minute drill. And then this crisis mode, Texas, they panic. All right, they panic, and there's chaos. So there have been four drives, four actual two-minute drills that Texas has defended, and one of them was that uh, two-minute drill against U of H, uh, most recently in the, the end of the first half against U of H. And, in, and what I found in the two-minute drill, first of all, against Texas, there are a lot of different things that Texas – has to work on uh and we've talked about that and the communication factor um you can tell is something that texas has struggled with and two minute drills just another example of it because they're not making um they're not making the proper adjustments and they're not passing off receivers in coverage and there are a lot of coverage busts in the two minute drill specifically um that i'm noticing so in that, that two-minute drill uh, for U of H, I believe they got the football with 233 left. All right, so I went and looked at, all right, now how many first downs they give up, how many big plays. I'm looking at mostly big plays, missed tackles, missed assignments, coverage busts. In, in that two-minute drill uh, for U of H, I found basically three, they had three explosive plays uh, that Texas allowed in that, in that two-minute drill. Just that two minutes for two and a half minutes left in the second half. You're talking about that 16 yarder for Dalton Carnes. That guy was it was a, he was 
He was all over the place. I, I, when we were talking about the wide receivers and how good they were, we never mentioned him. Nope. And I apologize. <laughs> we never mentioned that dude. He had several big-time catches. Uh, Don Carnes, he had a 16-yarder uh, on a third and 10 uh, on that drive with, like, 90 seconds left. Uh, also, uh, he had a 17-yarder on the drive, a 16 and a 17-yarder. And then Manjack had a 21-yard, a 21-yard uh, touchdown. So that's three explosive plays on just – those, I believe it ended up being 10 total plays you defended there. You ended up giving up three explosives on that drive. That's, that's concerning. And here's why it's concerning. And I, I, I even count the, the penalty plays and the, the field goals to my two-minute like two analysis, two-minute defense analysis. Like I said, anything under three minutes, I would consider that defending a two-minute drill. So in all now, uh, and throwing in the, 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 the two-minute drill they defended at the end of the first half and they gave up the, the touchdown to U of H. In the four drives, one at the end of the first half versus Bama, one at the end of the first half versus U of H, we just talked about, and then Oklahoma, end of the first half and end of the game, you defended two-minute drills. I've counted 12 total missed tackles on 35 plays. So 35 total plays on four drives. This is only against the starting quarterbacks. I did not count anything in Baylor game or the Wyoming game. This is only against starting quarterbacks. You defended four drives of a two-minute drill, 35 plays, and you've had 12 total missed tackles combined, four coverage busts that I count, two gap integrity breakdowns, one penalty, that was the P.I., and essentially now we're looking at 20 points allowed. On 35 plays. I counted 11 explosive plays allowed on 35 plays. That's a 15-yard pass or a 10-plus yard run just on the four drives of two-minute drills that Texas has defended this year. Think about that. That's like damn near a third of the plays. That's like you're talking about close to a third of the plays, 31 percent. That's documenting what I think fans are seeing and you know, the idea of the prevent pre, – I shouldn't call it prevent – the two-minute defense. It feels like the prevent defense. But the idea is – you know, I'm, I'm not the football theorist you are, Rod, but my understanding of prevent and two-minute defense is to not give up big plays. Ideally. <laughs> right. Ideally. Yet your prevent defense is exclusively giving up big plays. It's weird. That's terrible. It's, I'm, I'm with you. I can't understand it because you're right. They are playing off and they're playing, giving a lot of cushion, but yeah. it's the missed tackles, though. Yeah. E, they missed 12. On those 35 plays, got 12 missed tackles. Yeah. So basically on a third of the plays, you're missing a tackle and you're giving up an explosive play, and they are linked a lot of the time. Well, it's two too. misses, right? You're missing tackles and you're miscommunicating, which means you're, you're, you're letting free receivers go or you're supposed to be carrying them. Uh, it's just, it's it's poor. It's poor. And uh, Pete Kwiatkowski better have some hard conversations with Blake Gideon, with with Terry Joseph this week. They mean, didn't fix it. In they the didn't bi-week. fix it in the bye week. They didn't fix it in the bye week. They didn't fix it in the bye week. No. All right. Uh, well, we'll we'll continue to try to fix it for them. But uh, you know, hopefully, on there on the practice field this morning, working on those things because BYU's coming in, not a great passing offense um, that the Longhorns will see this weekend. But uh, you know, they're going to watch that film and they're going to see if they can attack it too. You know that. That's what good, any good coach would do. We come back. We'll go off the record. Some stories you probably haven't heard yet, but need to hear without a doubt. Also, we've got two more hours of good, bad, and ugly conversation. Talking Texas football, Game Seven of the Lone Star Series, and much, much more. Talk about with Ian Rodby. D D. 
Magadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get they break the income. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Hey, you know what else sucks, Rod Babers, and off the record? What's that? Uh, commander's defensive tackle, Jonathan Allen, thinks the commanders suck. Did he, did he use those words, that uh, we suck? Yeah, I don't know oh, if we can play the rant. Again. He went on an all-time rant Uh-oh. after they lost to the New York Giants 14-7. to Yeah, because the Giants aren't very good. So losing to the Giants makes you feel bad about yourself. Seven points? Seven points. Mm. And I know scoring is down in the National Football League. Red zone offense is bad. But uh, it got a little bit better yesterday. There were some more high-scoring affairs, including, this is on the record, Rod. How about Deontay Foreman, the lifetime long one? A three-touchdown game for the Chicago Bears. Beautiful. With all the injuries they've had. And uh, he went off, and they, they got a win. Beat the Raiders. Yeah, Deontay Foreman. Good I like him. that. Also, Bill Belichick got his 300th career win. And Max Verstappen won his 15th race of this year, his 50th overall out at the U.S. Grand Prix at Coda. We'll take your thoughts if you got to be out a part of any of that over the weekend. Rod, what are you having off the record, my friend? Um, now, this is a weird one. Did you see that Michigan State? Yes, I saw this. Put up a trivia question. And we got to talk about this. So Michigan uh, State's having a pretty rough run. <laughs> they are, they're, yeah, they're, little, they're lacking self-awareness as a, as a program, athletic department right now, it seems. So Michigan State did an in-game trivia question asking what country Hitler was born in. And, you know, these and they put Hitler up on the scoreboard these days. Listen, I'm not saying anything's wrong with trivia about Hitler and about history. Trust me, I'm a big history guy. But you have to know that anything Hitler related is very controversial, period. Listen, guys, you can't even have the, 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 the remember the, the mustache that was that Hitler made famous? Sure. That also Charlie Chaplin's character wore, the tramp or whatever. The, we call that the Hitler stash now. Nobody wears that 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 uh, style of right of mustache anymore because basically Hitler made it famous and everything associated with Hitler has to go away. Michael Jordan wore it once in a in a commercial, a Hanes commercial, and I don't know how he didn't get canceled. But that's how much we love Michael Jordan. All right, there's nobody named Adolf anymore. The the name Adolf has died. All right, as it should. Thank goodness. They, exactly. You if somebody if somebody names their kid Adolf, you automatically start thinking, oh man, are you what? Are you a racist? Are you a bigot? Are you a Nazi? Semite. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Exactly. So everything Adolf seems to be off limits, and yeah, they put they put Adolf on the on the scoreboard on the jumbotron, and they asked a trivia question, and they're in hot water. By the way, the person who did it apparently has been suspended. Michigan State has suspended the employee involved in allowing Adolf Hitler's image to be shown on video boards in the Michigan uh, Michigan State game. The person who created the trivia question responded with, it's an absolutely normal trivia question shown in an appropriate setting. <laughs> it is, but like I said, you got to know Hitler stuff is pretty much off limits. <laughs> gotta, that, that seems <laughs> pretty obvious, related. but you just said the word self-awareness, like, the whole, the whole Mel Tucker thing is still oh, really ugly, and yes. he said, she said, and all of that, but still Larry some Nassar awareness coach. Like yeah, you just yeah, – Some yeah. awareness Come coach. Come on now. Come on now. Uh, that's all pending. Yeah, Michigan State <laughs> has become a punchline uh, all too often, and that's unfortunate. Michigan, meanwhile, beat the daylights out of them, and Michigan, amid their controversy and sign-stealing oh. scandal, 
they uh, they are under investigation, but they might be the best team in the country right now. Did you hear that the guy name the guy's name who is um yeah. Uh, like a porn star. Connor Stallions is Connor his name. Stallions. Yeah, that's my shady name theory. Unless you want somebody to do shady business with, don't trust people with shady names like Connor Stallions and Lloyd Lake, Michael Michaels, Sherwood Blunt. No. These are all people involved with college scandals. Colin Stallions. <laughs> Connor Stallions. It's like, what? Starring Connor Stallions. Exactly. Adult entertainment. Yeah, man. <laughs> right? He was running the sign-stealing scam, apparently, according to uh, the NCAA and some reporting. So, yeah, but Michigan continues to pummel people. Yeah, and, uh, they're killing people. Yeah. Neither Ohio State or Penn State look like they could beat them to me. Watching them on Saturday, that was – I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. was the best player on the field, without J.J. a doubt. McCarthy looks good, man. He, he's now a front-runner for the Heisman, I, I believe. Well, you've, been, you've, been, you've been on his bandwagon before the season started. He I'll needs to that. ball out, and he needs to ball out against uh, Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, if he does, he very well could win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Michael Penix out of Washington. They had a survival game of their own, 15-7 to this hey, weekend. After you win a big game, it's always a letdown after those big game wins, man. Survive in advance. Yes, sir. Survive in advance. We'll come back. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Rolls on two more hours to go in our five-hour conversation, five hours a day, five days a week, right here on The Horn. Let's hook them up. Yeah.